I'm looking forward to champagne. It's Prosecco from Italy. I can't wait to pop the top. Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay. Okay, we're ready. And books are sexy. All right, can I open the champagne? Yeah, sure. She can add it to us. It's the spooky season. We've just, if today is Tuesday, we've just celebrated Halloween. We had so much fun having <laughs> the gazillion children come to the store to trick or treat. It's so adorable. They're so excited. The weather was perfect. The dog was in costume. I was in costume. It was amazing. Halloween is fun. I kind of like Halloween. I don't always get that into like the costume development. I think I have to be in the zone this year. I had a lot of fun making a bookworm co- costume for Flora, my third child. And we're going to celebrate the start of November and the holiday season with Prosecco from Italy. Oh, I like Prosecco. Yeah, it's dry. That's the important part. Bel Posto. That's our fancy Prosecco. There we go. That's a good sound. It has a beautiful label. It promises us aromas of apples and pears and gardenia flowers. The palate is bright, fresh, fruity with fine bubbles. Serve well, chilled. Yes, it smells delicious. I'm really excited for this one. Okay, pass it around, Rachel. Thanks, Rachel. Do you guys like Halloween? I do like Halloween. I'm not like, I don't go all out for it like some people, but I enjoy it. I like it because it's just like a party. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a party night because you don't have to host people at your house. True. Although my sisters always make the mistake because they're like young and they're like, okay, I'll host all my friends for a Halloween party at my house. And then they really regret it. I mean, they always have fun, but, you know, the buildup to hosting people at your house is like, You're like the shit, worst thing. why did I offer to do that? Yeah. Um, I pretty much never invite people to my house because I have major anxiety about how disorganized I am. I love your house. And actually, I think one of, when I know that someone is like, a good friend is when I've seen their house messy and they've seen my house messy. Yeah. And we have that level. We're like blood sisters. "Eh, You know, they're coming over, but I don't don't really have to. (laughs) I like this one. Rachel, nice pick. Does it feel nice to know that sometimes you're successful? (laughs) Somebody we know has a job. Help me. I feel like we've talked about has a job. Where their job is just curating wine for rich people's private collections. Who is that? I don't know anyone like that. Someone in our realm. Yes. Someone in our realm Tom has... Tomby's brother-in-law. Tomby's brother-in-law's job is curating wine for people's private collections. That sounds amazing. That's what could be your side hustle. I mean, I I don't think I'm qualified, but yeah, I would love for someone to be like, here... 
order these 12 bottles and see what you think. Keep a little wine journal. <laughs> you're like, I'm working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As you're getting lit. <laughs> so, yeah, what are you reading? Well. Did you read Halloween themed at all? I know people get into, like, spooky. Um, No, but I actually, uh, we had books and beverages last night. And yeah. Rachel was talking about a book that she's reading. So she grabbed a copy of it before I left last night, and I started it. And it's horror. It's called Hide. Oh, yeah. I've seen Kirsten it. It has a very interesting cover. Yeah. I Like, I started it last night. So I'm not, I can't really speak much to it other than the premise is that there's this, like, competition in an abandoned amusement park. It's like a game. It's, it's like a massive game of hide and seek, a days long game of hide and seek. That sounds and really cool. the winner cool. gets $50,000. And it's like a bunch of different kinds of contestants. And Can one people them, die? I don't probably. I'm assuming so. There, there apparently was a murder or abduction in this amusement park, like back in the '80s or something, um, and that's why it closed down. But the central protagonist is like homeless, living in a shelter, and this could be like if she wins the prize, that could be her her path forward. So it's got a creepy cover. Yeah, but it the is the other creepy. thing I'm reading. I'm also still reading Demon Copperhead, but and I'm also reading um, On the Rooftop by Margaret Wilkerson yeah. Sexton. It is pretty good. It's about it's 1950s, like San Francisco area, and um, it's about this family, a mother and her three grown daughters. They're like between the ages of like 20 and 24, and her, Vivian's the mother, and her husband died when they were very young. They're a black family. Um, and the girls are a performing trio, like R&B trio. So think yeah. like the Shangri-Las or, yep. or the Shirelles or something like that. And she is like really set on them making it in the music business. She's their manager. Um, and at the start of the book, she is she gets connected with like this sought after talent agent manager who takes on the girls. They're called the Salvations and promises that he's going to take them to the next level. So the girls, the trio, um, Ruth, Esther, and Chloe are sort of on the cusp of like making it big, but it turns out that not all three of them are really, this isn't the path for them. You know, they Mm -hmm. try their own people. They want different things or, coming into their own and Vivian has to sort of like come to terms with that there's also this whole other side story of like the gentrification of their neighborhood yeah um, but yeah it's fun. that sounds really cool I wonder if that'd be a good one for my mom because she's such a fan of the Supremes I love the Supremes I do too I love it we should have a Supreme stay at the store like I could listen to that music all day heck yeah what are you reading So I'm still working on reading ahead for January because we really want to make sure we have a truly exceptional book for our subscription service that month. Um, So I'm I'm dabbling and sampling, trying to make sure we have the very best option there. Um, But meanwhile, I just started the audiobook for The Night Ship by Jess Kidd. And I was excited because Rachel was over the moon about it. This is her staff pick for next month. And it has two storylines 
Um, one is 1629, a young orphan girl named Macon, who in the audiobook it's pronounced Micah. So she goes, Micah is bound for Dutch East Indies on a boat called the Batavia. And it's like a great Dutch ship. And um, we know that at some point there will be a shipwreck. We are also learning the story of a nine-year-old boy named Gil in 1989 who's sent to live off the coast of Western Australia because he's lost his mother. And I think the loss was kind of traumatic. Um, It sounds like she was abusing alcohol and potentially drugs in a very difficult situation. He had had a very unusual upbringing, very inconsistent. Um, But he lost his mother and he's sent to live off the coast of Australia with his grandfather in the home that his mother grew up in. And so these two children's stories will intertwine. And there is kind of a, a ghost story element in that people believe this island where Gil is sent to live with his grandpa is haunted by the ghost of a girl who died there, potentially Micah. They call her Little May. Um, and so there's you know, where will the stories intersect? When will we find out what happened to Micah on her uh, great adventure at sea? And what will become of Gil on this small island? So I'm enjoying that. Um, it is out now. Is it out now? It's out now. So you can you can enjoy that as well. But I'm just going to keep tackling those January books because we got to find a good one for you. Yes, we do. <laughs> so do you have a game for us today, Ellen? Are we going to have fun? We always have fun, Amanda. Okay. <clears throat> this is not a game I made up. This is a game that I found on BuzzFeed. <laughs> Those are the best. <laughs> Clickbait. So, Clickbait. Yeah. So it's the hardest game of Would You Rather for book nerds. Ooh, perfect. It was made for us. It was made Thank for you, us. Thank you, BuzzFeed. Because we like hard things. And we're book nerds. Amanda. Yes. Would you rather only be allowed to... I know the answer to this. Would you rather only be allowed to read new releases or only be allowed to read classics? New releases. Same. It's the excitement. The new story. The salivating over the book descriptions. Would you rather not be able to buy any new books until you've finished all the ones on your shelf? Or never be allowed to read any of the books you currently own. I probably would pick currently own. Never read the ones I currently own because I've read quite a... I have a collection. I just buy a new copy. (laughs) You found the loophole. (laughs) Different cover, different edition. Yep. Because there's a few. There's a few. Yeah, you need an answer too. Would you rather only be allowed to mark your place by dog-earing the pages or have to make a small mark on the corner of every page you've read? Dog-eared? Duh. Duh. Because we support dog-earing in this establishment. Yes. And marking? I don't, I don't really like writing in books. I don't often. Unless I'm, like, angry. <laughs> no. Um... If it's like a kind of a self-helpish kind of book, I might write in it or highlight. 
or like when I reread the whole Harry Potter series before the last one came out, I yeah. did, I had post-it notes, I was marking everything because I had theories and I wanted to go back and see if like find the evidence that supported or did not support Whoa, my Whoa, you must have had time on your hands. I did. Did I you had, have children? I, had, I did not have children and I had the summer off because I was, that's when I was a teacher. So nice. I, yeah, I reread it. Okay. Would you rather live in your favorite book, but the main character hates you, or your favorite book character is real, but they're actually super annoying? Oh, that's depressing. <laughs> mm. Mm, that's really depressing. Um, I guess I'd rather have... I only want to time travel, like for temporary amounts of times. So I don't want to live in my favorite book. I only want to like dabble. So if I could go to like Anne of Green Gables, I would go live because it was based. But what if Anne hated you? So that's why I'm you saying. hope it would be like a Gilbert situation where you could like turn it around? Maybe. That's <laughs> what I was debating. But I also wouldn't want to live in Avonlea forever. So I would rather have Anne be real and alive. And she's just annoying because... I would get to experience her, realize she was annoying, but I would have at least experienced her. And then I could avoid her. <laughs> How about you? Um, probably same. Probably same. What book would you live in? Like, who's your character? Oh, God. Holden Caulfield? Yeah, but I would expect him to be annoying. Would you have him be real or would you go? I'd have him be real. Okay. I think there actually are a lot of real Holden Caulfields out there, but yes. <laughs> okay. Would you rather a series you love stops getting published after a major cliffhanger or an author you love starts writing in a genre you don't like? I think it would be an author I love gets, like, it would be, yeah, I think I would rather, like, Louise Penny is my first thought i would not want that series to end i would be fine if she didn't end the series but started writing in a different she genre like cheated on the series a little bit and yeah like swung over but my fantasy. assumption is that they would continue publishing the inspector gamash series that's a that's a good expectation and assumption. how about you agree i don't i wouldn't care if my favorite author wrote in a different genre i'd still probably read it yeah me too, because there's, and I did, she kind of did. Yeah, it's still mystery thrillers, but the one she wrote with Hillary Clinton was a political thriller, which is a completely different yeah, no, totally subgenre yeah. within this subgenre of mystery. And I could feel her writing in it, so no big deal. Would you rather never be able to finish a series or never reread your favorite books? Hmm... Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. That's a hard one. I think I don't do a ton of rereading, but, you know, I go on and on and on about Anna Green Gables. I just discovered that I can listen to Anne of the Island on our Penguin audiobook reading, and I have been for like 20 years listening to Anna Green Gables audiobook 
to help me fall asleep when I'm stressed out. <laughs> and so I think that I would probably have to pick Never Finish a Series just because of the small little comforts. They're so rare. I don't often reread, but I really it's a really comfort thing for me to listen to audiobooks narrated by Megan Follows. The actress <laughs> who portrayed Anna Green Gables in the PBS miniseries. Only part. <laughs> yeah. So okay. I would miss I would miss that. So I think I would not get to finish the series. Same. And often I don't finish a series unless I've started reading it once the whole series is out. And you know, some of these people write for infinity. Like, like the mystery. Infinity. Yeah, the mystery thriller series go on for ever yeah. or you get invested in it and they pull like george r, r. martin with games of thrones or whatever which how many months of my life did i invest in that series mm -hmm. i don't even want to talk about it. i'm still pissed um okay next question yeah would you rather be in charge of deciding how your favorite series ends or how your favorite author's next book starts next book starts oh my god i'm totally the opposite Tell me why. Because, see, like, that's too much pressure for me. How does it end? Like, that seems like a huge burden. That's, like, a huge weight. I'd rather set up the premise. Like, oh, I'd be curious to see what they do with this. And then let them take it off. Like, go off with it. I would want to be in charge of deciding the ending. Because the ending can make or break something for True. me. True. And if I've invested that much time in a book or a series, I have ideas about how it should end. <laughs> but I never could have really picked the end of Harry Potter. You know, like I couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I guess we got a lot of what we wanted out of it. We did. Harry and Ginny married. They had children. Spoiler alert. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so... But I also couldn't have imagined all the details. I do, I hate just open-ended endings. Do you like them? Um, it depends. Sometimes I, sometimes I think it's they are the appropriate ending. Right. But it sort of depends on, like, the, the whole, the, the story in its entirety. I think it really matters how invested you are in the characters, whether you get yeah. One of my favorite things is an author who will, like, throughout a book, dabble on foretelling the future. So I just read Shrines of Gaiety or listened to Shrines of Gaiety by Kate Atkinson. And with each of the characters, she offered a flash forward of, this is what these people did. This is where these people ended up. You know, like, I love the tying up of loose ends. I love flash forwards on... What happens to this person, even if they're kind of a minor character, especially if they're a minor character? I love it. There's something so satisfying in an author just being like, and then 20 years in the future, he married his sweetheart <laughs> and opened a cherry farm. I like when the author is the narrator and they're narrating it in past tense. So you know that they are past the situation, not in it. And so they, as a narrator, are telling the story of what has already happened to them and their current experience and how the events of the story impacted them are reflected in the way they tell the story. Right. Uh, but an ambiguous ending doesn't bother me necessarily. I know some people have a hard time with it. I don't, I don't mind an ambiguous ending because life is messy and rarely are things completely tied up. I don't hate ambiguous endings, but I'd really prefer to have it tied up. Control freak Amanda. Okay. 
I would say for me, it just depends on the book. Mm -hmm. All right. That quiz is over, but I'm going to give you a quick one, and I'm going to see how good BuzzFeed is at recommending books, because this quiz is reveal six things about yourself and get a perfect okay. book recommendation. We will be the judge of that. Yeah. BuzzFeed. Okay, yeah, are BuzzFeed. you ready? Yeah. Go for it. Select your zodiac sign. You're cancer. cancer. Yeah, because we're both cancers. Oh, this is a picture one. Okay, which of these bookshelves speaks to you? So you're going to choose, and then you're going to tell our listeners you describe the bookshelf. Okay, hand it over. Um, bottom right. Okay, why do you like that one? Okay, so I picked the bottom right because it appears it has the least number of decorative objects. So there are pretty white shelves that have de decorative objects sprinkled throughout. I'm like, you're not really a real reader. You just got the books to fill it in. <laughs> then there's one that has all like leather bound classics, which I'm like, there's nothing new in there. Then there's a decorative, like, tree bookshelf um, that can't hold enough books. Then there's one that are all color-coded gray books. Again, boring. You didn't buy those based on what the books are. You did it for the color. And then there's kind of like um, an old-world um, stack from floor-to-ceiling uh, book place. Again, probably not a lot of contemporary stuff. So I am looking at one that does appear to have a couple collections of like, I don't know, great classics or something. But then towards the bottom, you see a lot of mixed titles. This is someone who's packed it all in, who has some good books. That's what I'm going to pick. <clears throat> I don't know if that's what it communicates, but that's how I interpret it. Um, I agree with you. I think that's what I would also choose. Choose a place on the internet to frequent. Here's your choices. Instagram, the Twitter, TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube, or Tumblr. Instagram. <laughs> Pick one of these animals. <clears throat> you ready? Yep. Quilka? I don't know how you say that. Fox, baby elephant, Axolotl, capybara, red panda, wombat, otter, or bat. Are they showing you pictures? Yeah. Let me look. Maybe right. this is what we should be asking customers when we're giving recs. Yeah. Um, which do you prefer, the wombat or the capybara? Oh, I like the quokka because they smile. That's nice. You're a smiley person. Thanks. I don't know if my resting face is smiling or not. <laughs> Pick something you love about fall. Apple cider, sweater weather, Halloween, I just hate summer, crunchy leaves, pumpkin everything. Mm, are there pictures as well? <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Okay. I can't do sweater weather because I sweat in sweaters and sweatshirts year round. Halloween's fun, whatever. A crunchy leaves. Crunchy leaves? You want to break my yard? Yeah, I, I find it therapeutic. Okay. Finally, pick a color. Now, I know your favorite color is orange, but mm -hmm. it's not on here. It's You can choose between red, purple, yellow, green, blue, or pink. Purple. Mm. Okay. 
here is your recommendation. Okay. Written in the Stars by Alexandria Bellefleur. Darcy just wants her well-meaning brother to stop trying to play matchmaker. So after her blind date goes wrong, she lies and says it was a success. But Elle, one of the astrologers behind the popular Oh My Stars Twitter account, finds herself confused when her business partner, Darcy's brother, mentions how glad he is that she and Darcy hit it off. After a bit of begging from Darcy, Elle agrees to play along, and while the two pretend to date, Darcy must help Elle deal with her overbearing family during the holidays. This does not sound up my alley. That's a fail. <laughs> That's why you have to come to Dog-Eared Books. We can match you better Bus- than pictures of fall. Busby doesn't know shit about matching books. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad book. I'm just saying that's not the perfect book for you. No, it's not my perfect book. It does sound interesting. I like the astrology element to it. I think it'd be a well-researched rom-com with, like, legit astrology information would be really fun. But, nope, not my book. Not your book. Fail. Just got to come talk to a bookseller instead. BuzzFeed can't help you. (laughs) Yeah, we tried it. Fail. I'm going to quickly do it. Yeah. I wonder if I'll get the same result as you because you're going to pick similar things. <laughs> yeah. I'm so curious. I probably won't pick the same animal as you, though. Okay. I also like narwhals and sea I horses. also got written in the stars. Damn it. They're just pushing written in the stars. Okay, how much how much did that publisher pay you, Buzzy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We get ourselves in trouble on this podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, what do we have popping? Popping on the shelves. <laughs> popping. We're getting in that heavy season we talked about. Yeah, so we've got a few new, re- new releases this week. Um, one is Kiss Her Once For Me, which is a romance by Alison Cochran. Who you may know from The Charm Offensive. Yeah, people love The Charm Offensive. The and queer rom-com situation. Rachel's going to say something about this. Yes, hi, it's me. So, um, I just want to say on behalf of Deanne and I who host the Between the Covers podcast, which is kind of on a mini hiatus because I need to catch up on my reading. Um, thank you so much to Megan Manning. Um, who works for uh, Simon and Con- Schuster. Yeah, yeah Simon uh, and Schuster. Uh, we love her. Yes, she's fantastic. Um, her and Allison Cochran send, sent Deanne and I signed early copies of her new book. So yeah. I just wanted to say thank you. Yes. We're really excited about it. We're really lucky to have a publishing rep who is as sweet and helpful as Megan Manning. So. And I think Megan is actually going to join us on this podcast. At some point, At yes. Some point. Okay, so in... This is kind of one of those situations where your main character is working in a coffee shop. The landlord of the coffee shop is like, his family needs him to get married. It has to do with an inheritance. She's sort of struggling. So it's kind of a a relationship of convenience. Uh, They are not in love, but they're going to fake it so they can each get what they want. Um, But something throws a wrench in his plans. Because when she goes to spend the holiday with his family, she has fallen for his sister. (gasps) exciting very exciting the next one is the philosophy of modern song by bob dylan this is a he's worked on this book for over a decade and it's 60 essays each one is about focuses on a song by another artist 
Um, and then it's got a bunch of pictures and stuff to it, too. As we all know, Bob Dylan's kind of weird, but he's got really interesting writing and he, he uses language in interesting ways. So I think this will be um, a pretty important book in the music world. So Bob Dylan, that that will be exciting. And that that harkens back to these big name people putting out their bios, their reflections in the holiday season. So if you are a music fan, that's what you got to get. Now, Ellen, this next one you read is going to catch people's attention because it's by the author of The Silver Linings Playbook, which was a great movie. Excellent movie. Tell us about We Are the Light by Matthew Quick. Okay, so I read the advanced reader copy of this over the summer. And it the, the premise is that, and it, it may be uh, a content warning type of book for some people because it involves a mass shooting. And so the main character, Lucas, was a school high school um, counselor. And the past year, about a year ago, he and his wife were at a movie theater in their town where there was a mass shooting. And his wife died. Oh, and man. Lucas himself killed the perpetrator. Wow. And so he's seen as this hero, but he has not been able to, like, recover. And so the book is actually a series of letters to his therapist. His, ther his therapist has stopped seeing him. His therapist's wife was also killed oh. in the event. And so he's, up until the shooting, he was seeing this therapist regularly, and now he just wants him to, like, help him? Help him. Yeah. And so it's a series of letters to the therapist. Um. But, so it's it's been about a, a year, several months, I can't remember exactly what the time frame was, but one day, Lucas notices a tent in his backyard, and it's, there's a kid sleeping in that tent, and it's a kid who he had helped a little bit as a counselor, and who is the younger brother of the shooter, oh, and man. the kid is like, doesn't want to be at home and he's totally ostracized by the community because his brother did this horrible thing and lucas kind of sees it as a sign that he's supposed to help this kid eli and so in order to graduate from high school eli has to like he can earn credits on his own but he's not willing to go back to school and lucas has not gone back to work since the shooting and so they kind of go to the principal and they pitch this idea that lucas will help him with his senior project and the senior project is a monster movie and lucas wants lucas and eli want to involve the survivors of the shooting in the making of this project but convincing them to get involved in it when the kid creating it is the brother of the person of the monster <laughs> yeah um is kind of a hard pitch so anyway it's about this community that is dealing with horrific tragedy and how they're able to sort of start to move forward from that tragedy. That sounds outstanding. So, yeah. <clears throat> what else do we have in the lineup this week? We have Meredith Alone by Claire oh. Alexander. So if you were looking at Discovery, you would probably think it's a rom-com. Because mm -hmm. it has that style, but it's not a rom-com. So... Um, Meredith is, you know, she's got a full-time job. She's got her cat. She's got, like, a friend. She has a very sort of, you know, she's 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 got a, like, ritual to her day. She's on her own. She's Meredith alone, right? 
and she's she's going through the motions and she's kind of trying to repress or maybe even deal with some sort of tragedy in her childhood. And then her estranged sister gets in touch and all of this is sort of like her day-to-day life sort of gets blown up and she has to really deal with the things that happened to her when she was young. Wow. In kids, we have... Oh, this sounds so exciting. Sweet Valley Twins, best friend, epic novel. I used to read Sweet Valley Twin, like, Sweet Valley High all the time for, like, the summer reading challenge. Yep. Now, do you remember the names of the Sweet Valley Twins? No, because I never read Sweet Valley. Okay, so it was, like, the thing in the 90s. Yep. Jessica and Elizabeth. Check this out, graphic novel. Jessica and Elizabeth have always been BFFs. Like, they're twins, but then they go to middle school. And they discover they might have different interests. Whoa! Oh, shit. This is so um, interesting. It is really interesting. I have twin cousins who look exactly, they're like (laughs) blonde, identical, and they are very different. And I think that's cool to give, you know. Here's the description. Elizabeth is excited to organize a school newspaper. But Jessica is more interested in joining the exclusive Unicorn Club. The unicorn. What club. will happen when the twins realize they might might not be as alike as they thought? They will survive. Then we have the Labyrinth of Doom by Stuart Gibbs. This is yeah the sequel, um, to Once Upon a Tin. Yeah, so it's like early reader fun. You know, Stuart Gibbs has a ton of stuff. Um, and then lastly, we have out in paperback this week a book that you have read. Bewilderment by Richard Powers. Yes, and it is very powerful. It's a reflection on can a child who sees what we're struggling with in the world, climate change, um, loss of animal species, war, water quality, for a kid whose eyes are open to that, can they sustain the burden of carrying it? And um, it's told through the lens of the relationship of the father and the son who are trying to find a way for the son to become an activist on the, the topics he cares about, but also find a way to manage what he's carrying. Um, and there's some very complex um, science in it in terms of therapies that they're working to provide the child with to kind of ease some of the negative influence on his psyche. So very, very, very interesting. Very Richard Powers. Um, makes me think about Greta Thunberg a lot. Um, it's a great read. Awesome. And lastly, we have what's popping at the store. And, and it is quiet week. The answer is that much. Yeah. Come <laughs> to story time. On uh on Wednesday, 10 a.m., Lovey and I will read some stories. And um, I'm excited to think about what we'll pick for the month of December. We're through our Halloween books. Um, I think we'll be looking at um, Indigenous Americans. Um, what did I say? No, we're, we're not going into December. It's November. Uh, we'll be looking <laughs> at stories from Indigenous Americans and... Um, also any new releases that hit our shelf. So I'm excited for that. That'll be our one event for the week. And um, then we'll probably be right back at it. Excellent. So cheers. Cheers. Um, keep oh. the champagne flowing. And the book's going. going. <laughs>
Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow, because you want to find out what's happening in dog-eared books every single week. Yep, and if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at, at dog-eared books Ames or at dog-eared books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great! It's so great! <laughs>